You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are just days away. I can't believe it. I never thought we were going to get to this point in 2021. It's a new year. This is Orange and Back Checks, Philadelphia Flyers season preview. Let's do it now. This is the Orange and Back Check podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Oh, I'm so excited. I didn't think we would actually get to this point. This is Orange and Back Check, episode 59. I am Bill, he is Scott across from me, and we are previewing the Philadelphia Flyers season, and if you are just listening to us right now, please go to our YouTube page, Orange and Backcheck. We are officially posting our podcast episodes also on YouTube, so you can look at our faces while we do this recording uh, each and every week. many people want to. Yeah, if you want to do it, <laughs> each and every week. Uh, that's uh, one of our new things we're going to be rolling out. In addition to the new logo you're seeing on your podcast feed, uh, we're posting on YouTube. We had a couple other things, so we're really excited. But before we get started, Scott, man, happy new year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all of it. How, it's been a couple weeks since we last did a podcast. How was your new year, man? Hey, man, it so far, great. Listen, yeah. 2021's already been better than 2020. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a couple new hobbies already, believe it or not, even though we're only four days into the year. That's why wow. I'm recording this. I uh, downloaded an audio book. If you go on, I went on Amazon, and I, I heard a Brian Burke. He was a former GM in the NHL, former yeah. uh, player safety guy. Now he works for Rogers TV. Um, he released a book called Burke's Law. And I was going to buy the book. And then when I went in there and checked it out on Amazon, they gave you the audio book for free. I was like, oh, yeah, well, if you have I'll... Amazon Prime, it's one of the benefits, right? Yeah, I, I just like, I'll take that then. So yeah. I, I got the audio book and I've been listening to it back and forth in the car and it's fantastic. And so I did that nice. and I found probably my favorite movie I've probably ever seen to this point in life. Yeah, you've been nuts. really harping on me with this. I got to I, I it's yeah. on my list. But what, what was the movie? Tenant by christopher nolan yeah i'm yeah. a huge christopher nolan fan to begin with because his movies just make you think and they always mm-hmm. throw your mind in different levels but tenet blew me away because it's all based on scientific theory and to actually see it in person it, it just was absolutely incredible I, I was just stunned when i was watching this thing it was incredible like, so you I, watch I, it it's not in theaters anymore is it no yeah. no 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 i actually wind up i wind up buying it after the holidays and yeah. on apple tv and it's just i i couldn't believe how good it was i'm like wow like this movie had me sucked in and captivated like i had not been pulled into a movie like that since inception and yeah. Christopher Nolan's really the only director that can really do that for me. I, I but I, I'm 
telling you, it's a movie that you have to watch if anybody has not seen it. And if you don't understand it, watch it again. Because if you look for the little things, I watched it twice just so I could pick up on the little things and maybe understand go. it so much more. It's just so it's, it's amazing. So leading into what I did, uh, I watched a couple movies as well. But let me get, ask you this first about Tenet. Did it put, does it give you confidence about Robert Pattinson's acting ability to be Batman in a couple of years? I think, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. He it look, he's I know he gets, you know, ridiculed because he was a sparkly vampire in Twilight. Yep. Okay. Literally a sparkly vampire. Yes, if anybody hasn't seen Twilight, vampires that don't blow up in the sun, they sparkle, which is the most nonsensical thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Who would ever think of that? But whatever. It made him a lot of money. So give him credit. The guy made his name yeah. because of that. So you can't knock it. If he's going to be Batman in a few years, I'm in for it because I thought he did a hell of enough job with this role. And, and even in, he's not, he's part of the film, but he's not like in every single scene, but I thought he did really well. And if you watch this, you can definitely see he could totally pull off a Bruce Wayne. I like that. I liked, I, I'm glad because, because it's obviously a DC movie. And one of the movies that I saw over the break uh, was wonder woman, 1984. And it's a good movie for DC for the, what they call the DC extended universe or whatever. Yeah. But then when I'm a guy who's a Marvel guy, who's j coming off the high of Endgame and uh, Spider-Man Far From Home and the, the most recent stuff that we and then we, we have stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks with uh, WandaVision, like. It's so boring, like I, I'm never I'm never in enthralled in whoever the superhero is, because they just kind of slapstick you with this superhero, say, here they are, here she is, here here he is, and you're just like, what's the backstory? Yeah. Like, there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing about Diana, uh, Diana slash Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot's character, where you're just like, this is a character I want to spend and invest my time in. Like, there's nothing about that. It's very boring. And the other thing was, do you remember the movie uh, with Jim Carrey, Bruce Almighty from like 2003? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Where he becomes the, the, God the, the for seven days. Scene, the scene where he messes with Steve Carell's the news. Yes. The news. Yes. One of the funniest scenes in, in, in movie history, honestly. If you have never seen Wonder Woman, but you've seen Bruce Almighty, I will tell you the plot was taken from Bruce Almighty and slapped of, uh, to Wonder Woman in some. Do you remember when Jim Great. Carrey is? Do you remember when Jim Carrey's answering all the prayers and he just goes, you know what? I'm just going to answer yes. Now Jim everybody's happy. Yeah. That's literally what the villain does in Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, great. So thank you for spoiling the plot line of a movie I'll never watch anyway. So like, I just it, saved it, two and a half hours. It, thank it, you. Yeah. It's a long movie, too. It's a <laughs> yeah, long movie. You know, so. and, you know, last week, my my wife and I, we were trying to find something to watch. This is before, you know, I want to watch Tenet and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. um, before Cobra Kai was released, which we binged watch on New Year's Day. And it's fantastic. I see that. Oh, I'm my God, it's the best show on Netflix. Cobra Kai yeah. is fantastic. But anyway, we were trying to find something to watch in between there. So on Disney Plus, they have um, the Marvel Universe all in timeline order. Yes. I could not remember seeing the original Captain America. I couldn't remember seeing it. Really? The first yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. And, and we went back and we watched it, and now we realize, okay, it goes from Captain America to Captain Marvel to Iron Man. I've seen Iron Man. I've seen all the Iron Mans. I've seen Avengers. I've seen all those other ones. But I don't think I've seen Thor Ragnarok, though. But this gives us something where we can go watch the timeline and leads it all the way up to 
Endgame, which I've never seen Black Panther either, which I've been wanting to watch. So it's something which is that's going to be our next feat is to go and watch all these. But it probably won't happen for a while mm-hmm. because we have hockey to talk about now. We, we have hockey to watch I'm now. So, so happy. Listen. I'm going to be hibernating for my in, in, in this, you know, now we can now people can see on YouTube. They can see that, you know, your beautiful decorations, but look like pot leaves behind you. Literally and, and, pot leaves. Uh, yeah. Look like do you want the you definition. Do you, you can have the, de- do you want the definition of home? According to my yeah. wife? Yeah. Home, here, here a go. story of who we are and a collection of all the things we love. So I guess yep. you love pot because it looks like there's I do love pot. marijuana. But, okay. Yeah. That's great. You probably shouldn't say that if your employer's gonna listen nice job nice going buddy and you I'll can pass see behind the drug me. test i don't actually smoke if my employer is listening it's fine okay All right. but well, i respect I mean, it's, like it's if, not like it's not yeah. legal in pennsylvania right. anyway recreationally it's like one step below yeah legalization in pennsylvania well jersey apparently they legal it when people modify the constitution i don't know how the hell that's all gonna work out well that'll, that'll be another conversation for a podcast but behind me i'll give you the grand tour of my place you can see my box turtles back there nice my my flyers jersey on the wall and my ridiculous memorabilia which you know looks like a flyer <laughs> threw up in here over the years so but like to that point about how you just kind of have stuff thrown around the wall we had the opening of or excuse we had media day sunday Today, Monday, is the first official day of training camp, and I just found myself watching random clips. Didn't matter how long. Didn't matter the detail. Nolan Patrick was practicing. Oscar Lindblom was practicing, uh, which are one of the key changes for this season, Like or additions, like just the fact that those two are likely going to play at some point this season. There's still questions on if they're going to start game one in just a couple days here on the 13th against the Penguins. But man, just the fact that these guys are back, that's two major changes. So the big question is, are they better, Scott? Are, are, from what we saw them last in, what was it, early September, late August when they lost to the Islanders, are they better than they are today than they were then? Let's take a look at the numbers before we answer that question. Mm-hmm. Last season, Travis Konecki led the team with 61 points. Sean Couturier, second, 59. Jakub Voracek, 56 points. Their big guy, Kevin Hayes, at 41 points. It was a minus six in the year. That's only the second time in his career he's been a minus player. I believe it's the second time. I don't know if he was ever a minus player with uh, with the um, Rangers. I believe he was one year. I'll double check that. Are they better? So right there, you had Travis Connect. You need to score 61 points to be a minus one. You needed Sean Couturier to score 59 points to be a plus 21, but she's always been a responsible defensive player, so that's solid. Jake Vorchek was a plus 14 last year. That's 56 points. That's really good for Jake. Claude Giroux, 53 points and a plus 7. Kevin Hayes, who was supposed to be their, their big second-line center, a minus 6 with 41 points. So what that tells me is that, okay, they defensively they were only a little lackluster to begin with, mm-hmm. and then you take away – Matt Niskanen retires, who had 33 points last year and was a plus 15. You replace that with Eric Gustafson. The second time they've had an Eric Gustafson, not the same guy. Not the same one, thankfully. Yeah, but that one would have been way worse. Yeah, right. A different one. They struggled on the power play last year. They're not really adding much to their power play punch this season. Uh, Eric Gustafson is not going to be your quarterback on the power play, so he's not an answer there. Uh, Shane Gossespierre had 12 points in 42 games and was a minus four. Um, so you didn't improve with him. You didn't, you didn't get rid of him. You didn't upgrade over him. And he was buried as you're pretty much your seven towards the playoffs. He was your six, seven guy last year. Yep. 
So to answer your question, if I'm going to sum all that up, if anybody hasn't figured it already, have they gotten better? Hell no, they have not gotten better. They've actually, if you ask me, this I look at this roster, and I think that the Flyers, they didn't make any major moves. You heard rumors of them going over the summer about Patrick Laine, trying to get another score in there. That teams are more hesitant to make those kind of moves because of the flat cap. Overall, though, if you look at this team, they're not better than they were last year. That worries me because now you have a division which has has Boston, Buffalo, the Devils, Islanders, the Rangers, who have the number one overall pick, and they almost made the playoffs last year, the Penguins, and the Capitals. So you're going to sit there and people are going to say, well, this team has a really great chance to win the Stanley Cup. If I'm looking at it on paper, I don't think they stand a chance really to have be in the playoff hunt for most of the season. They probably had to make a last minute climb like they normally do. I don't think this team got better and I'm not really confident about this season. Uh, obviously I'm totally not totally against what you're saying, but I, I do I, like there. I think we can both certainly agree the East division, which as you just talked about, Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey devils, New York Islanders, Rangers, Flyers, Penguins, Capitals, it's far and away the toughest realigned conference or excuse me, division for this upcoming season. Yeah. And it's not even close. It's, it's not it's, even close. It's not. it's not even the Canadian division. This is the hardest division in hockey, probably history. I mean, because you're talking about a Boston, you're talking about a Boston team that won, won the president's trophy last year, you're talking about an Islanders team that got super hot and made it to the, all the way to the Eastern conference finals uh, last season. Uh, and a, a Devils team that certainly was lackluster but got hot towards the end of the season uh, before the stoppage. Obviously, the Flyers. The Penguins are always a challenge. The Capitals are always a challenge as long as they have Ovi. This, this division is stacked. Having said that, there's no doubt in my mind they are the Flyers are a top-four team in this division. They might be number four, but they are still going to be in the playoff hunt pretty easily, in my opinion, because – you have the return, it looks like, of as I alluded to earlier, Nolan Patrick. Oscar Lindblom is, as far as we know, completely healthy. Thank God, like, for what he did with Ewing Sarcoma. You have Carter Hart, who has established himself as the number one. Now can he establish himself as the elite number one for the Philadelphia Flyers? That's the big question going in. The other big question is obviously, Who's replacing Matt Niskanen? And yes, you talked about signing the signing of Eric Gustafson, but the guy that they I think they're banking on isn't the guy is another guy that they signed, but they signed to an extension, and that's Philip Myers. Philip Myers is going to be probably top two, if not the top four pairing on the defensive side of the Flyers this year on the blue line. I think, especially because of how short this season is with 56 games, you're playing every opponent eight times. They are, and they start right off the bat with two back-to-back games uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins, your arch rivalry rival across the state. No doubt in my mind, Elaine Vigneault as well. Second year, you saw what he did in his first season. No doubt. I have full confidence in Elaine Vigneault to get these guys juices going. Like every night is not just a playoff night. It is a rivalry night starting with the penguins and rightfully so. So I, yeah, I I think this team is going to land around three or four 
and then push for the playoffs, like for a deep playoff run. I think that's the expectation. I think that's what all Flyers fans should expect. Um, whether that is a game seven again in the second round, like last season against the Islanders, or if it's an early exit in the Eastern conference finals, that's remains to be seen, but I think they will be in that conversation for this upcoming season. Okay. Well, why I want to know why you think that though, give me, give me the specifics. You're talking about Nolan Patrick coming back who had guy who hasn't played hockey in over 12 months. Yep. Actually, if anything, if you're looking at it now more like 16 months, yeah, guy who hasn't played professional hockey, you have Oscar Lindblom, who's coming back from a cancer diagnosis, has had a full offseason, even played in a couple of playoff games last season to get back into it. But he's essentially been out for 12 months also. You lost your number two defenseman. And I know that they had some hesitancy and, and you know, they were a little hesitant in the playoffs to break up Sanheim and Myers because that's mm-hmm. a really good tandem there. Um Ivan Provorov needs somebody to play with. Justin Braun's not going to be that guy. Adam Gustafson's not going to be that guy. Shane Goss is weird. They've tried that experiment, and that's why they didn't make the playoffs for a couple of years. That it comes but down that to that was a different this. coach as well. I think yeah. there's. I think they're going to experiment with this. Unfortunately, there's no obviously preseason, and like we're jumping right into this thing. Yeah, and that's and what worries me. And that you haven't filled yeah, that, that hole. You haven't filled your number two defenseman hole, and you're going to go right in the game action, right against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's so, it's a scary proposition for sure. Yes. How many games? You have 56 playoff games. This is essentially what this team has, is 56 yeah. playoff games. Yep. Now, they were tested last year. Now, you brought up a very good point in Carter Hart because Carter, Carter Hart is, is key here because what's one of the things that we talked about during their playoff run that he was struggling with big time? He was struggling with a six-hole. The goals under the arms that people on YouTube can now see me pointing under my arms. Mm-hmm. Those weak goals that he was giving up against the Islanders, softies against the Canadians. Has he? Has he? Fixed you just that? think your Apple Watch? I don't know. I just something happened on my Apple Watch. There, I started talking. I have no idea why. My pulse is one hundred. That didn't even right sound now. like. No idea Siri. why I'm that fired up, but that was that was twenty minutes ago. Here's here here's the key. Here's the key. You're right. Look, Carter Hart talked about today. He said a quote that he just doesn't want to be a number one. He wants to be the number one guy as in the it. best in the love league. It. I love that. I love it. But here's, here's the other key that you want to look at as well. This team, Chuck Fletcher is looking at this team and they were in the coaching staff of Elaine Vigneault, Mike Yo, and, and uh, Michelle Terrian, who they did not change surprisingly in the off season. They're looking at the team and say, you know what? You guys were good enough last year. Go get it. I'm looking at this team on paper. I don't think they're good enough stacked up against the division to go get it. So I'm issuing a challenge to them and say, you know what? If you really believe that, go for it. Because if they don't do it this year, guys who need to step up like Claude Giroux, sorry, he didn't do anything in the playoffs. I know people love him as the captain, but you know what? He's clearly on the decline part of his career. And at age 32 this year, I don't expect him to be the guy. I expect a guy like Morgan Frost to come up here and start picking up some of his offensive production. If he makes the team, that needs to happen. But the thing is, also, Jake Voracek needs to reproduce the season he had last year and, and, and get better at it. He's another key. And Kevin Hayes, own up to your contract, man. Now, you scored some clutch goals. You did a lot of clutch things. You made it worth every penny. But if I'm looking at your line at 41 points and a minus six when I'm expecting you to play two ways, that's not cutting it, especially against a team where you have a lot of deep guys where you got to defend against Brad Marchand, and Patrice Bergeron, even though Marchand's not healthy right now, and you're defending against them, you have to defend against Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel. You're going to defend against Alexander Ovechkin. Already know Crosby and Malkin. Now you're going to have Alexis Lafreniere. 
on, on with the Rangers on a team who didn't miss the playoffs by much. And Artemi Panarin, who was almost the MVP last year, if he was not the MVP, excuse me. Uh, and you have a Jersey Devil team that is a little more mature this year to Jack Hughes, who really took off in the offseason, apparently, according to Lindy Ruff. You have a lot of competition in a very tough division. I'm just saying is that there's teams going to be chomping at your heels. Yeah. They, they, they need to, if they have that much trust in them, they need to prove it and they need to do what they have to do in house because they didn't do anything else to upgrade the roster in the off season. Now this isn't going to be my only argument, but you made one slight error. My friend what, Jack what? Hughes does play for the New Jersey devils. Taylor hall does not. Anymore. Uh, no, I mean that Taylor Hall plays for the Buffalo Sabres. Excuse me. Yes. The yeah. Sabres, excuse me, Taylor hall, the Buffalo Sabres and Jack Eichel. You have to deal with them. Yeah. But like so, I, I, I think what I, I think what goes in their favor, other than like a few trades, a lot of these teams are similar to what they were last season. I don't know, man. Like I, I, I also nothing. Yes, the Devils are one of those teams that a lot of people are like kind of bullish on. They think there's going to be a big rebound for this season after the disappointment of last year. Nothing like. I, I I can't go in the minds into into this season and just expect that the Devils are going to be immediately better because one they're playing the exact same ski season that we're going to be doing no preseason fifty six games you're playing all your rivals every single night every night night in and night out I, I think this this mindset that the Devils are immediately going to flip the excuse me flip the page and immediately be better than what they were or reach expectations of what they were supposed to be last year is not crazy, but it's certainly teetering towards that. I, I like the 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 top four, or in my like where I see it are the Boston Bruins are are almost a shoe in. The uh, um, I always forget. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't say it. I'll cut you I, off there because they did lose to Dana Char. They they mm-hmm. did lose Tory Krug and Brad mm-hmm. Marchand is hurt right now, and they're an older team. So. I wouldn't look at that. That's true. That's true. In their thirties, so they, they're they're not they're not the youngest team in the world. They have talent there, and I think they can they can they can still be consistent because they're a consistent team. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston took a step back. And I'll tell you why Jersey worries me. And last year I said that Jersey I thought was going to be a tough team, but they didn't meet expectations. Mm-hmm. The goaltending let them down. Defensively they didn't look that good. Jack Hughes didn't live up to a first overall pick. Granted, you don't want to get too much pressure on an eighteen year old kid anyway. They had to trade Taylor Hall. They didn't meet expectations, but they made upgrades in the right spots. They had added Lindy Ruff as their coach. They added Corey Crawford as a goaltender when they already have a solid goaltender in Mackenzie Blackwood. They still have PK Subban. They still have Nikita Gusev. They still have guys who are younger guys who can who can who can play. He's and they sure, have a lot like, of speed. But yeah. it's the thing, you have the right coach in place, and that's why Washington. Washington's another threat because if yes, they, they might have lost. Braden Holpe, and now, unfortunately, Henrik Lundqvist, after what happened with him, open yeah. heart surgery now, you'll probably never play hockey again, which you don't Very want the kids to go out that way. It's extremely sad. They brought in Craig Anderson on a PTO, so you're going to see Sergei Simsonov play a lot of games. They also have a new – they were first in the division. I think they had how many wins last season? They had 42 wins. I'm sorry, 41 wins, first in the division, and they still fire their coach. You told, tell me Laviolette's not going to make that team better? You know, so how to get every last juice out of a team that's, that's also the, aging. Yeah, so, that's the thing. Laviolette is the guy that you get in here to be the coach for the three or four seasons that he can pull, squeeze the juice out of your team, and then he runs his course. He's, you saw it here in, with the Philadelphia Flyers from after 2010. Mm-hmm. It, it trickled down really, really fast because of where this team was going. What I will say is, to your point about the Boston's getting older, 
a lot of these teams, are, uh, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins are getting older. Sandy Crosby is another year older. Claude Giroux is another year older. Mm-hmm. What I think might be a benefit is they're not going to be the youngest team, but they certainly are one of them if they bring up the right talent. If the right players produce at camp that the Flyers expect, Twarinski, Frost, Torrance, he's kind of on the fringe, but like he could be a guy that could come in, especially with this taxi system on how you can kind of intertwine players in and out pretty simply, even with the AHL restarting, uh, I believe it's February 5th now that they've announced that they're going to start their season, but it's like they can intertwine a lot of these young guys. And I think that's going to benefit the Flyers in the long term. Yes, we're talking about a lot of pressure on young guys, not just named Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom, but the Torrances of the world and the Morgan Frost of the world and the Philip Myers of the world, even Sandheims of the world. Like these guys have a lot of pressure on them, but at the end of it, because of the cohesion we started to see with the, the Elaine Vigneault squad throughout last season, I'm confident that we're going to see a continuation of that this year compared to a setback. It's very unlike I can't, I'm not buying into the notion of a setback because Elaine Vigneault is a very uh, hard-headed coach. Like he's a very, he knows what he wants out of his players. He gets that out of his players. And if you don't get that, out, if you're not producing like he wants, you're going to take a, you're going to sit on the bench and the next guy up is going to, the Flyers in a unique position. They haven't been in, in a while. They can say, who's the next man up, who's stepping up for us. And then they're going to slide them in because what cost them the Islander series last year was the bottom six. Yes. The top six didn't produce, but they didn't produce in the, in the round Robin either. If you Neither remember the power play, yeah. the power play. And that's what concerns me is that they didn't add to their special teams yep. and they well, lost <laughs> Matt Niskanen off of them. I get that. Apparently. And we, I can't believe we made it this far. What, like uh, how far are we in like 20 minutes into this podcast? I, I cannot believe I, I what the experiment that this is going to be with Sam Moran is oh. fascinating to me because I think he's going to be a power play guy. I think that is their mindset on to not an anchor for sure, especially because he's now playing a forward. He used to be a defenseman. It doesn't make sense. This is the one thing that scares the crap out of me because it doesn't make sense because from all intents and purposes, from what I remember about Sam Moran when he got on the ice, he's a Chris Pronger, not in terms of skill, but in terms of traits. He's he's not very, he's a slow, he's a statue, and he's just big. How is that a correlation to a left winger? I have no idea. I don't know what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they see something and they're pulling a Howie Roseman special where they just see a little something and they want to pull the magical thing. I think that he's been the good soldier for so long and had so many bad luck with injuries and has not been able to crack the top six as a defenseman stick consistently yeah. on this team. I mean, th- this is, was his second or third ACL tear in as many years. Yeah, he's or- had a couple of them. I know that. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, the guy was drafted nine years ago. At some point he's 27 yeah. years old. You got to say, Hey, look, you're, you're probably not cut out for the sub. This might be like a last ditch effort because he does have size. It would just can it, it would I would be confused with the skill level because I mean yes defenseman's skill set is different than an offensive skill set and yeah yeah could he be like a technically a two way winger and you know you could put him on your bottom six and he could be a penalty kill guy and yeah uh, but if he's that big and that slow and he's not gonna be able to pressure the points he's not gonna be able to do it probably as clean of a breakout that you want. Um, it's just a different kind of a skill set. It's not that he's saying he couldn't do it, but and you're also at the pros learning a new position. It's all about timing and speed. Yeah. So even a split second off, your teams are going the other way with that puck. So it's going to be careful with that. 
And it's not like you can say like, oh, they're trying to, in a weird way, have him skate less to put less pressure on those ACLs. Like you're a forward now. You're doing a lot of skating. It's not like that thing could tear again at the just a single stride and it's over for him. Yeah, and that would be scary to look at, man. I mean, look, that's really really a shame for a guy who was supposed to have such high expectations. I mean, they they drafted him. Because I think they're going to try, to my point about the power play, or your point about how the power play, I think he might be, they're trying to possibly, you talk about the penalty kill, and I think that's almost not a given, but I think that makes the most sense for him. But I also think they might try and slot him into the power play too. I don't, like, does it make sense? No, but we're in, we're post 2020 and 2021 is going to be just as weird as 2020. Maybe not as bad, hopefully, but it's just going to be, it's going to be just as weird. So with Sam Moran at the power play too, let's get weird. Like, why not? But I don't know. I don't know if weird is going to work. I I mean, you're looking at a 56 game schedule where goals are going to come at a premium and Mm -hmm. none of these teams, none of these players last year cracked 25 goals. Not, not one player on the roster cracked 25 goals. Travis Connecting 24. You're leading. You're leading. That comes down to, it's going to come down to the Travis Connectings, even Claude Drews, who I've said time and time again, we're 59 episodes in. I've said this time and time again on this, on this show, he's not a goal scorer, but you're going to need him to produce around the 18 to 26 mark. Yeah, but you only had four 20 goal scorers on the team this year. I know. That's not enough. Like you, It's not. Look, you can spread it around, and you look at Boston, and Boston has guys who can kind of take over games. And, like, for instance, like David Pasternak had almost 50 goals. Patrice Bergeron, 31. And then Brad Marshall had 28. Jake DeBrusque had 19. uh, I'm sorry, at 19. Uh, Charlie Coyle had 16. I mean – you can't you can't win when you have three guys only pot or three or four guys popping twenty goals apiece. You, you, you're, yeah, they've you're been right. missing that goal score. And again, it goes back to that the whole thing where they're not. You can't just pick snipers off trees. You can't just send ghost in a first round pick to Winnipeg and say, "Hey, take the take my garbage so I can have one of your best players and get a Patrick Line." Yeah, it's not just a money factor. They, they, nobody's going to give up a Johnny Gaudreau easily. Nobody's going to give up Patrick Line easily. Nobody's going to give up any other player who could put the puck in the net forty to fifty times a year very easily. The problem when it comes down to is this: is you have a team that has a lot of players who can score some goals, but you don't have that player to be able to just take control and win a game for you. You don't have that. Right. Travis right. Konechny needs to become that player. Look, at he's he's a pesky guy. Teams don't like to play against him. If he's not on your team, you don't like him. And I understand why, because he's that type of player. He annoys right. the hell out of you. What, what did Hextall say? He's a he's a little pissant. He's a little pissant. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorite quotes by Hexy. And, but he's also a guy who, who, who works hard. He's got speed. It, but you you need more you you need yeah. more especially with the contract it, especially it, with his contract and we talked about this in one of the first episodes we did it's like episode two or three if you want to go back and listen to it um like it, 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 i like the contract for travis Konechny at the time now i'm kind of souring on it because you need him not just at 25 goals you need him closer to 30 now 30 is obviously a hell of a, an ask at, at at 56 games but for a guy that you expect with Travis Konechny I kind of expect 30 goals from him you're not going to get 30 yeah. goals this season no matter what how well they play in Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick and Philip Mott or excuse me uh uh Morgan Frost or Carson Torinsky those guys aren't going to do that it's going to come down to Jake Voracek Kevin Hayes and, and 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 oh my god I, I i had a total brain fart you like, okay there travis okay? Konechny, travis and yeah. travis Konechny. like those guys are going to be the need to be around 30 goals 
Uh, absolutely. You, yeah. you, 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 and look, Kevin Hayes, for all the things he did well last year, 23 goals was high for him, but he needs to pop more. Mm-hmm. And because it, people aren't seeing this, people are just expecting Claude Giroux to just come in and put in another 50 points. There's going to come a point in Claude Giroux's career where he's going to start bottoming out big time. Look at Danny and Briere. Sad, They're very yeah. similar players. Yeah. Danny Briere had his career high goals in 2010, 2011 with 34, and next season didn't do anything. And then well, by that, the time oh, the lockout to, came around, he was he was he was cooked. He was to cooked. that point. To that point, in 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 Dave Haxtell's final year or second to last year, when did he he had a hundred point season? It was his first time career career ever hundred point season. Yeah. Ever since then, he's been on the downside. So You're right. to that, can You're right. we honestly say that we haven't reached that point with Claude Giroux? Have we reached the point where he is now on the steady decline? Is he completely over? Of course not. Actually, if you, I, I think it was on Sunday when he met with the media, Claude Giroux was not happy with friend of the podcast, Sam Carcitti, because he Why? asked him about his age. He said, as you get older, Claude, how do you, how much, I'm paraphrasing. I don't, I, I'm sorry, Sam. I, I, but he basically was saying, how much longer do you think you can do this? And Claude was like, Sam, I don't know what your obsession is with my age, but I'm great. I'm perfectly fine. Now, I think to Sam's point, all he was getting at was, hey, you haven't really produced anything substantial since your 100-point season where you were almost a, a an MVP winner. What's going on? Is it your age or is it just the coaching around you? You've now had two coaches, a new coach since that 100-point season, and you're still not producing to that level. Is it his age? I teeter on yes, but at the same time, I'm not saying that Claude Giroux's uh, career is completely over. It's not. No, no, no. But you have to blame the Philadelphia Flyers organization for uh, wasting the prime years of Claude Giroux. Yes. Like, with all due respect to the Philadelphia Flyers organization, they blew Claude Giroux's career. They really did. I've said if they don't win the Stanley Cup, it is the biggest waste of a Philadelphia sports athlete's talent in sports history. Without a doubt. No question whatsoever. You're absolutely on point with that. I can't think of another Philadelphia athlete that would have been at because look, you if you want to make you want to make examples. Allen Iverson had talent around him. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk about superstars, Donovan McNabb, who I don't care if you like him or not, he had talent around him multiple years. Okay. All right. Let's look at Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was a reason why you got to a Super Bowl in the first place. Uh, yeah. Look at the Phillies. In 08, they were able to do it. Now, the Bryce Harper, they've got to build town, the town around him, or they're going to be in the same thing where you're going to waste Bryce Harper's prime, prime, prime parts of his career without having town around him. It goes back to this. The Flyers have not really been a very competitive team. They've been average and mediocre yes. since 2012. Ever since that run with Peter Landry well, in 2012. They, but I, see, I disagree with you there. I thought they got they reached that competitive notion that we expect last season. No, take away last season. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking okay. about Claude Giroux's prime oh, years. Right, 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 right. Claude Giroux's prime year. He, one of the best years he had was that 11-12 season when they returned yes. over the roster. They 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 got rid of Richardson Carter. They yep. gave the keys to Giroux and and Yager and Pronger and and Brisgala and they took off and then they had to do a little retooling after that and then you had the 2013-14 year where they brought in Steve Mason when Wayne Simmons was hitting 30 goals when when Scotty Hartnell was still on the team when Jake Voracek was coming into his own when when Claude was leading the team and they were down 4-1 to a Columbus team in midway through the third period to come back to win the game they that's when they they had everything together in those prime years and then after that 14-15 season disaster 
yep. where Steve Mason put up a career high in save percentage and the team just could not score any goals. They were crappy defensively. And yep. ever since then, they've been mired in mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Even that 100-point season, because they had an injured Brian Elliott who couldn't play, and defensively they were trash against the Penguins. So the Flyers have wasted a good six, seven years of one of the best flyers to ever play the game's career because they didn't put a substantial enough talent around him to get them over the top. Now the Claude's in the backside of the career. I don't blame Claude for kind of questioning why you would ask that, but I don't blame Sam for not for asking that question because it's legitimate because yeah. now you have to look at guys more or less who are coming up and say, okay, the re- I think it look at it this way. The reason why Fletcher didn't make a giant move if he had the opportunity to do so is because I think they're trying to give it one last haul with this roster. I really think this is it. I, agree I, I, I yeah. believe this is the year, whether they put up or shut up, because if they don't, then you're going over for another retooling because you, you got to also- figure out what we're going to do with Claude's contract and also Jake's contract because they have a lot of money on the books and you got to figure out a way to get guys like Morgan Frost up here. If guys down in the minors, you're talking about, you know, your future, like a Cam York, um, they like get that defenseman. They have another couple players down. Um, Tyler Forrester is going to be a guy that they're yeah, going to Yeah, yeah, Tyson Their Forrester. First round, Tyson yeah, Forrester. Tyson yeah, he, for, excuse he, me. He, he, I said Tyler. He's going to be another big guy. They have, um, they, yeah, I can't remember. Wade Allison's another one that they have. Yeah. They're going to be coming up. And by the way, Cam, this guy's knocking on the door. Yeah, He's there. These guys that if you're looking for, I mean, well, I pretty, it's obviously, it's got to be over now. The, ju- the junior, uh, World junior championships. Yeah. Like that Cam York was producing substantially for the USA hockey team, along with a couple other prospects that are in the Flyers pipeline. And that goes to your point, like, what do you do as a Flyers organization that knows that they you have some exciting prospects? They're not um, they're not Sidney Crosby, they're not Alex Ovechkin, but they're producible. Like they can come in, in and get their feet wet in the in the pros and get their bearings on, and then in the next couple years that are without Claude Giroux, sadly, probably more likely than not, to get to reach their full potential in the NHL and really take off and build that new core on what that might be. We talk about the young core all the time of, uh, 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 of Carter Hart, Travis Konechny. And, and, and I, like, I, I can't even think of a third. It's kind of like John Couturier. Yeah, of course. Sean Couturier, Couturier but, is your next captain. Yes. But at the same time, he's also teetering on 30. Like we, we 27. Yeah. We he's look at that, be, but he's, he's got, he's got time. Like, but I know. I, I, I know. I understand but what like, you're getting at. I do. You look at that 30 year old threshold and that's kind of just the, the end all be all threshold for most rosters, not just in hockey, not just for the flyers, but in all sports. Once you hit 30, you reach this like kind of awkward age because you're Mm -hmm. obviously not old in real life, but in sports world in sports life, you are teetering on old. And that's what we have here with Claude Giroux. Sean Couture. Yes. He's 27. He's on the back. He's on the back, the good half of 30, but three years, a lot can happen in three years or a lot won't happen in three years because you don't pr- properly call up or the properly uh, your draft picks don't pan out over that period of time. And then all of a sudden you're having the same conversation that we're having right now with Claude Giroux with Sean Couturier, because Listen. that's, that's the fear. You have to find the balance, but let's focus back on this season. Like it is imperative that Claude Giroux has, closer to because i it's going to be obviously because you you're overing you're averaging nearly two points a game to get a hundred point season for anybody 
but like, what is a fair number? 70, 75 points that you expect at a Claude Giroux this year? I think it's too high. I think, I think you're talking max that Claude could get right now would probably be. I look at it this way. He played 69 games late, 16 and 53 points. Chances because are he's going to break the 60 point plateau. Chances yeah. are. Chances are. I, I put Claude at about 60, still 65 point. points right now. Yeah, 60, yeah, 65 points. I just, 21 goals is a little low for him. You'd like to see more. Yeah. But I'd still say that 60, 65 would be fair for him. Is it worth eight and a half million dollars? No. No, of course but not. It, at this point in Claude's career, he'll be 33 the day before they start these games. Yep. It is a question of, okay, 60, 65 points for a guy his age, that's out. Is that, is that acceptable? Yes. I, you need a guy, though, to overperform his contract. You need Sean Couturier to continue doing what he's doing, but he's up for big money next year. Big Travis Konechny, you need him to step up. He's your he's your big guy you expect to start scoring. You need Konechny to do more than – now, granted, he probably could have gotten like 26, 27 goals. You need him to be like a Wayne Simmons and turn that corner and pass that 30-goal plateau. Scotty Hartnell used to do the same thing. You, and, you need you need Kevin Hayes to pass that thirty goal plateau. You need at least two thirty goal scores to, to, to on this team. You can deal with a couple twenties. You can deal with Claude Drew being in the twenties. You can deal with Jake being in the twenties, even though he only had twelve goals last year. You, you but you need more guys. Ivan Provo at thirteen last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him crack twenty, if not this season, the next season. I doubt this year, but in a full age, yeah, game, I like you, I, you would I, see him crack twenty. But for you need a couple guys to get 30, 30 yeah, I would like to see Claude 60, 65 in an 82 game season. You're probably looking anywhere between I'd be okay with him being close to point per game. So about yeah. 50, 55 yeah. points. I'm fine with that. Because like I, I, when I said 80, that's obviously like, that's, that's, that's Connor David level this season. I would imagine. Right. But you need He's, them to be, you want to look at more points per game now, rather than yes. actual overall good, points. Good point. You, you need like, Travis Konecki close to a point per game player. Sean Couturier. A little under about a point per game, but, you know, about 0.9, 0.95. You, you need a couple of these guys to get back to points per game. You need Claude at a point per game. You need Jake around point per game. You need Travis at a point per game. Like, you need one guy here who's going to be at a point per game. So, you, that's what you're going to need for recipe for success because there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to be half a point per game, which is – the NHL is not a bad thing because that still means you have 40 points yeah. in 82 games Because you, you got to imagine – because you got to imagine that the Oscar Lindbloms, uh, the Nolan Patricks, because a lot of people are going to uh, – like myself, I'm at fault for this. I'm trying to curb my expectations for those two in particular, especially Nolan Patrick, because we've seen not the highest of highs, but some pretty good – strides come from Nolan Patrick before his migraine issue. And it is a very promising thing to see. The problem is we don't know what he looks like in a Elaine Vigneault system. We've only seen him in a Dave Hackstall and your my tendency is to lean towards he's going to thrive in an Elaine Vigneault system compared to a Dave Hackstall because of the experience of the NHL compared to the inexperience. So I find myself at the mercy of uh, not at the mercy, but like having over expectations for Nolan Patrick. And I'm like, I need him. I would like it. Holy, sorry. I'm watching the Sixers in the background. The, the, the third in no, power rankings. I'm really surprised by that, by the way. What's that? They're third in the power rankings. Yeah. They're five and one. They're about to be six and one. Wow. I yeah. They're a good. They're a good team. Maybe I'll uh, keep watching them. They'll play better. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're the curse, but <laughs> maybe anyway, I so, am. But with Nolan Patrick, I'd like to see him at that half point game. Realistically, I want him more towards one, 
but I have to curb my expectations. He needs to be around a half. You have to give him time to get back into it. If we want to play it fair, one of those two has to be around a half a point. Think Lindblom. He was at one point the leading goal scorer, twelve goals before all that happened. Right. He was he was tied he was tied with Konechny. So they're they're right. And I think that's why they went the the angle of this season of of why they didn't upgrade because they have these guys in house who are going to be able. They think they have a lot of faith in to come back and and actually make an impact. Temper your expectations on Nolan Patrick because it, yeah. I went back and I watched a lot of tape on him over the summer about his last two seasons. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is how much of a loser I am. I, I watch tape on all these different players. We're Listen, about. we were desperate. It was a pandemic. Things were weird. I, I do it anyway in a non-pandemic, so that makes it even worse. I was trying to help you. I, I know. But it wasn't <laughs> going to work. I'm, I'm too honest for that. I watch – what I notice about him is that I would I, – I hope they don't use him as a play driver, meaning that I hope that he's yes. not the first guy in on the forecheck. I, I, he he is be- – every time you see he, him have points, he's the F2 in the play. He's I was always just, the guy. He needs to be the F2. If you yes. want to get our explanation of what the, how the, the four check works, go to our YouTube page, Orange and Backcheck. It's also on our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all that sort of stuff. Just search Orange and Backcheck, o, at O Backcheck on Twitter. It's all right there. Go ahead, Scott, because you're right. He is an F2 for this season. Yeah, he's, he's not a guy who's going to initiate your four check. He needs a guy who needs space and who needs support because if you have someone who can get him a point. Now, I'll tell you what I would really love to see. I'd really love to see him on a line with Claude Giroux. I'd like yeah. to see him in yeah. the middle with Claude Giroux because I would like to see Claude get in there and steal the puck and take over possession and find Patrick because Patrick, when he has time and space, could do a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll put it right under the bar, knock it down, bar down every single time if you give him a space to do it. I mean, that goal he had against Montreal two seasons ago where he came off the bench, weaved through a guy, opened up on the slot, and just ripped it far side of Anthony Yemi. Beautiful. Has a lot of plays in close. We'll get it tight one-on-one with a, against Cam Talbot in overtime where he had this chance where he missed the net before and then he came back and, and he buried it under the bar before and, and to score the overtime goal. What I'm trying to say is that he's a guy where they need to use him the right way if they want him to be effective. If they're using him yes. as like a center type where they want him to drive the play and be first in on the four check and play 200 feet, that's not Nolan Patrick's game. You need him to be a playmaker where you need him to get an open space, find open ice, get the puck, and then bury it. That's what you're looking for. I, I don't know how they're going to use him in the system. We're not going to know. And you know, I'll be honest with everybody. You're not going to see the right Nolan Patrick probably until about game 15 of the season. So Maybe if he goes longer. pointless, it's yeah. possible 15, 20 games, it might take him to get back into a flow of it. Now, he could be skating all there is, but you're talking about NHL competition that you wouldn't even get a preseason to prepare for. So – you're throwing right these guys right in like they did in the NFL, and they're going to have to go right at it. So temper your expectations from these guys. I-, I can guarantee you this is going to be a rockier start than people believe. It's probably going to um, be a rockier start. It's going to be sloppy hockey. Yes, yeah. because it's going to be sloppy hockey. I'm talking about Rockies. Don't be mad if they come out, oh, my God, they lost the first two games at Pittsburgh. Okay, it's very possible they do because they don't have anything to flow it. Now, the benefit yeah. they have is that because they didn't add any new pieces last season, they just right. lost the piece. There could be that consistency there. But at the same yeah, time, that cohesion t- I was talking about. Yeah, correct. It, it, they're, they're, just don't get surprised if you want guys like Nolan Patrick to be like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we expect a lot out of him this year. Well, it's going to take him a while to get in, in the flow of it. And I think that if you talk to Chuck Fletcher or Elaine Vigneault, they'll tell you that. So, yeah, I think they would too. And, and they same have with, same with Limblom and, and same with, you know, uh, you know, probably Carter Hart too, because Carter Hart's not going to see much rubber up until then. So yeah, l- uh, let's, 
Before we give our predictions on who the top four will be, before we wrap up, Carter Hart. Carter Hart is probably the biggest question mark this season, not just because of offense, like because of the offensive questions, but like just because I think there's a lot still. I think you might be one of these. Uh, Apologies if I'm speaking on behalf of you, but obviously I'll give you a second. Yeah, put words in my mouth. No, there's been a lot of questions. Like as good as Carter Hart has played, right? As good as he was last season, people were still hesitant to claim him the next guy because of the uh, the the, of how this has really turned out. People looked at Ilya Bergalov, said he's the guy. People looked at Steve Mason, said he's the guy. We said Bobrovsky was going to be the guy. He wasn't the guy. None of these guys panned out to be the guy. Eh, now, you can Mason argue for five years. I thought he was the guy who Mason was here for five years. It's pretty steady for flyer goaltending. It is pretty steady. But at the same time, you look at him, his numbers and they were just kind of like not average, but from a guy that was a Vesna finalist to what he became, it's kind of disappointing. He had his best seasons here. Yeah. But like, it, I don't want to argue about Steve Mason right now, but I'll let you continue your right. point. But to, I to get the your po- point. I just want to bust your chops a little. But bit. with but with Steve Mason, as he played very very well for what it was his first official full season in the Flyers orange and black. What do in fifty six games in the guy that is clearly going to be the number one? Brian Elliott came here for on one more deal, one year extension because he said to the to uh, to the extent of Carter Hart is the guy. I'm excited to back him up. Like that is basically what Brian Elliott is is coming back for. What should we expect from Brian or excuse me, from Carter Hart this season? Well, I'm glad you said Brian, you, you slipped on your tongue and said Brian Elliott first. Cause I think you want to, you don't want to look, you want to, you don't want to overlook him. Mm-hmm. Capable backup. The most important thing he's going to be for Carter Hart right now is that mentor. And yes. I've been saying it all along a good Young goaltender needs a veteran backup. When you have two guys who are young and dangling each other, you get the situations like you had in Pittsburgh. I don't care that Matt Murray won two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. The fact that he's no longer there in Ottawa and Tristan Jari is the guy and they don't really have anybody to go with him. Um, that, that's You need a veteran goaltender to back up a young guy to keep not so much from the technique standpoint, but you need it because of up here in the head. Yep. Is that it's 100%. such a different game. You need kids that you need the younger, older guy, like, dude, shake it off. Like, you need well, that's also that. why, that's why also how amazing it was, not just the Brian Elliott started to do that last season with Carter Hart, but also that Carter Hart for his entire playing career, not just at the professional level, but also the juniors and, and squirts and midgets. He's had this sports psychologist, yeah. which like everyone praised. So, and- it does. No. It keeps you focused. And that's one thing why he has such high expectations of this. See, this is why I don't worry about Carter Hart. It, he's going to play probably about 40 games this year out of yeah. 56. He'll play about 40. You got to give him some nights. You're going to have some back-to-backs, threes and fours. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some of those. Or fours and fives, probably a couple of those as well. Um, Brian Elliott's going to have to come in here and play some solid games, and he will. He knows what he is. He knows he's a backup goaltender. You're not expecting him to put up great numbers. If you look at the analytics if you're the analytics crowd (laughs) one of these excel guys uh if you're going to be one of those look at that he's not going to have the high danger save percentage that you would expect a guy to have right that's not brian elliott's game he's a guy who's coming here who can give up a solid effort and to back up a young goaltender and mentor a young goaltender to become 
a next level elite goaltender. Yes. Carter Hart is well on his way there. You talk about the sports psychologist. I think Carter Hart has all the tools in his head where he needs to be because he has enough driving himself to do it. And his technique overall is good enough for him to be a top 10, soon to be top five goaltender in this league. I don't think top 10 this year, probably, I'm sorry, top five, probably more closer to top 10 this year. I'm okay with that. And I every Flyers at, fan should be. You shouldn't. You should be okay with a top 10 goaltender. Way better than what we've yeah. been given. So exactly. we should be happy yes. with that. And with Carter Hart, again, last season, the criticisms I had with him were just young parts of his game he still needs to develop. Yeah. These guys shoot in the NHL, and they know how to shoot. And if they give up, if you show a hole, those guys know how to find it. So the weak goals he was giving up in the Islanders series that cost him probably a couple of games, let's be honest here. Yep. Let's look at the, the saves he shouldn't have made, the high danger save percentages, the unbelievable stops he made. He's a guy who's going to work on that thing, knows he's got to play more of a blocking style than athletically every single time, close up those holes because he gave up a lot of goals underneath those arms, not just, not just in the playoffs, but overall in the season as well. It's a young guy thing. As he gets older and he rounds his game out, you can look at a guy like Carey Price who had the same thing. Carey Price, if you look at his game, and I'm going to use him as an example, and it's hard to explain over a podcast, I'll try to be as diligent as I can. And this is why I believe Carter Hart's going to be fine. When Carey Price came into the league, in a very, very lanky style of play, where really a lot of his movements were a part of his lower body, and he would kind of go into a blocking style and just not really move his arms too much unless he had to really move his glove that was going high. He'd play a lot more blocking than he needed to. That's why he had two bad seasons. And then right by, that's why Halak came in in 2010 to play because his even though his technique and he had to head for it, it, his, he wasn't playing the right way. He wasn't deep enough in his stance. He wasn't attacking the puck. Carter yep. Hart needs to develop his game that way. If you look at pictures of Carter of Carey Price, the way he played in 2010, 2011 to where he is now, he's a lot deeper in his stance. He's a lot wider. He uses his entire body rather than just sections of it. Now, granted, the position of goaltender has changed in that time, so that's also part of it. But the way Carter Hart plays is that he's got to find a way to close those arms off more and play bigger. I think you'll see him attacking the puck a lot more, playing further out of his crease this year. And I think you'll see him where when in shots and close, you'll see those holes close up. It'll make more of a wall rather than reacting to it than before. I think that those are three flaws in this game that he probably noticed at the end of last season. I'm fully confident that he'll do it because you know why? At 21 years old, he has the head for it or 22 years old now. Close to me. He's got the head. He's got the makeup for it. He's got the sports psychologist. This is something that he has that drive to be the best. And he's a soft-spoken guy that speaks loudly out on the ice. So if you ask me, I'm not concerned about Carter Hart. You'll still see some growing pains there. You'll still see some weak goals. Every goal he gives them up. But you have a top 10 goaltender in the league. And I believe that Brian Elliott plays a bigger part in that than people actually believe. Oh, I, I, I 100% agree. And you talk about his soft-spokenness. Talk about what he to- told the media on either today or Sunday. He doesn't want to just be an NHL player. He wants to be the best. Best. He wants that isn't to be a number a, one. He wants to be number one. The, that, yeah. And that's a mindset that, love that. Oh, they have to. Because like nobody if, in Philadelphia goaltending said that before besides Ron Hextall. Sadly, today's media day coincided with all the shenanigans that's happening with the other team across, the, across Patterson uh, at the link compared to the Wells Fargo Center, that's causing a lot of people to ignore what's going on. But that's also why you have us, Orange and Backcheck. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, O Backcheck, uh, and YouTube now. You can watch us on YouTube. Like, Carter Hart, I have a lot. And, and this is what I was going to bring up before we wrap and give our official predictions. We talked about Carter Hart's struggles early in the season 
last year. I just went back. Our fourth episode ever. We talked about how the team was on a three-game win streak and it was all with Brian Elliott. So what I think we need to anticipate is Carter. I agree that Carter Hart is going to end up as the top 10 goalie that in this NHL season. We need to watch how he does early on because oh, yeah. the, the history is, I mean, the history. Slow starter. Yeah. The history is based on one season or half when he came up here in last December or two Decembers ago now. But he got a slow, a slow starter. He, and, and that season he got to yeah. a slow start in the minors as well. And again, so he's a slow it's starter, and, and very, that's okay. Sometimes that it's happens. O- it's okay in an 82 game season. No, it's okay even this year. It, the, look, see, don't Carson Wentz this kid. Yeah. Don't oh, no, 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 no. Do I, it. I'm, don't. I'm pissed do that we're pull- Carson Wentz and Carson Wentzing. Yeah. I, I look, don't put too much pressure on the kid. And, and, and because, mm-hmm. look, early in the season, Goaltenders need to get into a, a flow. We talk yeah. about that F word all the time. Flow, flow, flow. Goaltenders get into go, flow. The teams need to get into flow. The, the Flyers started to hit their stride last year around Christmas, which was, what, what's it called? When Vigneault talked about that, like that's when new teams usually pick up a new system. You started to see after that big drop-off they had in that West Coast trip, they really got in their flow and started to ascend and take off. Yep. Carter Hart was shaky up until that time. Then he started to pick it up more. new coach new thing new system new everything it it takes all time this year it might not be surprising if you see the same thing you see a lot of goals coming up that maybe shouldn't go in but it's all about timing look look back in against the uh look in the play-in round they had a great play-in round they came back and then they go into the, the Canadian season couldn't score couldn't I would not be surprised if this season starts off kind of like it did against Montreal It, it might be that way because they're 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 score they're they're scoring is gonna take some time to wake up a little bit, but also you're gonna have the benefit of some teams who are newer, like the Devils, mm-hmm. uh, like a new starting goaltender and Tristan Jari in Pittsburgh. Uh you know, I harp on goaltending a lot and, and and not just because I play the position and I understand it. Honestly, it's because it really does make a difference at the pro level because these guys need to see rubber in order to get into grooves. And if yep. you don't have a preseason and you're only seeing it in practice, you're not going to have a whole lot of time to really get into any kind of groove. So um, okay, I think so- you're going to see high scoring. I think you're going to see a lot of high scoring at the beginning of the season, and I think it's going to be sloppy. I think you're going to see Carter Hart give him some wonky goals, but I think that once we settle down here 10-15 games in, then you're going to start to see the team really come together because these that's when the games are really going to start turning into as far as the playoff style battles where guys are going to teams are really going to beat each other up and look, any team the four teams that come out of this are going to be completely worn down. I, I, yeah. I it's going to be a very that very hard agree. battle to get to the final out of this division. So let I'm, instead of giving our predictions, I'm going to set an over under here on Carter Hart. I'm going to give you an over under of his save percentage. Ooh, yeah, I knew you would like this. Ooh, all right, all right. Fifty six games. Let's say he plays in forty three of them, which he played last year. Yep. So forty three okay. games. Over under, Carter Hart save percentage nine sixteen. Oh, let's see. Last year was a 9-14. Gave up 95 goals on 1,100 shots against. I'm going to go over. I think you're going to see him. I think you're going to see him get to 918, 920. Yeah, I, I think. I, 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 920 is elite in the NHL. For, yes. for the most part. Not, anything over 920 is really, really. 915, nine anything in the 910s is really good. 90s is not that. Is okay. Yeah. Brian Elliott, 899. So he's a little below average. 
He's an average goaltender. I think you see Carter Hart take that step up to get close to 920. Yeah. I think he's going to be up there in that company where you're talking about Tuka Rask, where he always ends up around the 920. So. I'm I'm shocked. I thought we were going to both uh, be on the opposite ends of this. I was going to go over, no. and we both going over. And I that's just it. the confidence I have in the kid and yeah, watching I, the kid and playing I, with him and, and knowing the work ethic that he has and, and knowing what he needs to work on. And just it's an age thing. That's why I believe that this kid – Look, I'm not gonna say he's gonna win us a Stanley Cup. I'm not gonna go out and say that right now. I'm not. Right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna go out. That's and an unfair that. expectation. At this exactly. Point hey, right now, though, this kid is the guy. And at 21, I think you have a guy here for a couple of years that yep. could take you pretty far. And, and the Flyers have some goaltending in their system, uh, but right now, Carter's your guy, and I think that he's gonna take those steps to get better. And I think you're gonna see him be kind of the backbone for this team for a while. Who wins the East? Boy, now you, you know I, I don't like tough questions. Let's let's all. wrap this up. Who's gonna all win right. the East here? I'm looking at if I'm gonna. I, I give me a second because I gotta look team by team. Boston, uh, yeah, a hundred point finish. But let's let's take a look at who they lost. They lost to Dana Charter, who signed with with Washington. Now Charter's not the player he used to be. No, he's um, not. Like, he, he would have been a nice guy for the Flyers to try and sign. I don't know, like how that what the negotiations went if they made any any attempt. But Zdeno Char on the veteran minimum for one year would have been nice for the Flyers. Yeah, where do you spot him in though? But he's not really a fit. He's not really. Yeah, a but you're fit. missing a defenseman with yeah, the loss but of Matt. He's not Niskanen. a two anymore. He's more That's of a true. three four, and you're not going to break up that line. You're not going to put a guy like Zdeno Char. He's not going to play as a five six. He's not going to do true. it. Yeah. Um. So Boston. Okay. So Brad Marchand is injured. Uh, David Pasternak is always going to be a threat. Yeah. I'm more curious when Patrice Bergeron is going to start to take that step back a little bit. I, he's more Claude Giroux right now. He's more of a goal scorer. It's a great two-way play. Always in with the Selkie. Um, you know, didn't get it last year because of Couturier. Um, but uh, I think it's important to look at when Patrice Bergeron um, – you, you you never know. And the team, look, they still have Tuukka Rask in between the pipes. When it comes down to them, Tuukka Rask last year had a 929 save percentage. Yeah. Uh, ridiculous. I still think that they're deep enough where they're going to make an impact. Buffalo improved a lot because they had a Taylor Hall. Um, they started out hot last year and then really tailed off. I don't know if it's a coaching thing for them or for cohesion thing for them. They're going to be curious to watch, but you can't tell me that Taylor Hall didn't bet on himself. And I think they're going to make a deeper impact than people think. I think he'll be an actual hockey fit there. The Devils, I still think they're, they're the, the ace in the hole here. I think the Devils are going to surprise a lot of people now that they have Lindy Ruff as an established coach. They have yeah. solid goaltending in between the pipes. Jack Hughes is another year older. Nikita Gusev is there. I still have Nico Heischer, P.K. Subban. Let's not forget about some of these guys. They're a solid team. The Islanders were the, basically right behind the uh, the Lightning last year as the class for the East. Almost made it to the final. Um, I still think they're extremely solid, well-coached Barry Trotz team. The Rangers are another one they'll really look out for. With getting Alexis Lafreniere, um, look, Igor Shosturkin played very solid last year. They're going to the young tandem with uh, with Igor Shosturkin and um, and uh, Alexander Georgiev. They still have Artemi Panarin. Uh, they still have some overall, some great scoring. Nika Zibanejad, he had five goals right before the shutdown last year. He's a guy, once he gets going, he can get going. He had 75 points in 57 games last year, 41 goals. That is nonsense. Um, I think the Rangers are really, really a team to really look out for. They're very close, taking a step up. The Penguins, 
I don't think they got better last season. I don't think they really got worse, but I do question because they are a bit of an older team now. Um, I don't think they're as talented as they once were or as deep as they once were, so to speak. They'll do some damage with Crosby and Malkin. And lastly, the Washington Capitals, a first-place team that changed their coach to get a better coach, added some pieces. Um, and also, I, the, between the pipes is a little bit of a question mark, but I don't think you'll see Ilya Samsonov um, too much of a drop-off from Braden Holpe. Mm-hmm. Craig Anderson got signed in on a PTO to back him up. Overall, they still have John Carlson at 75 points last year. You still have Alex Ovechkin, who is probably going to score another 50 goals this year and probably be the only player ever close enough to Gretzky's record, hopefully. And they still have TJ Oshie and Tom Wilson, who's always a guy who's going to just bring the thunder every single night. Overall, a lot of those teams got better in a lot of places. The Flyers kind of stayed put. It tells me the Flyers believe they're good enough where they are, which is wonderful. That's a great thing. I'm glad that they're finally just saying they're sticking with their guns and saying, hey, we're building from within. Let's do this. Let's see what we have here. Let's go for it. We're confident out in front of our bunch. This is a challenge that the Philadelphia Flyers as an organization and as, as the team player. This is your year to get it done. Yep. Nobody thinks you're good enough to get it done. And a lot of people say you have the money on you and stuff. That's great. But if you look at the improvements, you did not get better. Prove it that you're good enough than the teams that did improve. If I'm looking at this Flyers team in the East, I'm looking at them finishing fourth, maybe fifth. I still think that the Rangers are going to be a much improved team this year. Look, I, as much of a bust I think Alexis Lafreniere is going to be, it's not my opinion. Uh, sorry, it is my opinion, but I'm not. I'm, he's going to go out there and he's still going to put up points, especially with Artemi Pionari. They're going to be dangerous this year. That alone, and with Mika Zibanejad finally coming into a groove, they're really going to start taking off. The Bruins are always a staple. I think the Bruins will probably slip a little bit, maybe like the third, maybe be edging for a playoff spot. Uh, the Islanders, I think they win the East. I think they win the Eastern Division. I think the Islanders wow. are just a solid enough team where they think they win it enough. And then as a toss-up, um, I think the reason why I think that they'd be a solid one would be the Islanders. The two would be the Bruins. Three, three and four are tough because I think the Flyers can end up with four and five, but I still think that teams like Buffalo or the Devils could surprise people. And the Capitals, they're still a good enough team. I think the Capitals could be three. And then you have the Flyers fighting with the, the Devils, the Islanders. I'm sorry, the Devils, the Rangers, the Sabres, and the Penguins for that last playoff spot. It's it's a tough call. I, I would say the Flyers are a little better than those teams overall, uh, but when it comes down to it, it's going to be extremely tough over 56 games to keep that consistent. So if you ask me, Flyers are on the edge of four on the mm-hmm. outside looking in. It's not because I don't have confidence. It's because I believe that the teams around them have gotten better and more so than the Flyers have. The Flyers lost some pieces, didn't really add too much to replace it. So to answer your question, I'm saying that the Islanders win the East. Second place would be the Bruins, followed by the Capitals and the Flyers in a dogfight with the fourth between them, the Rangers, and the Devil and the Penguins. And the Devils. So I was going to go with the Islanders win this, but I'm going to be a contrarian and go against you. The winner of the East is going to be the New York Islanders. I'm sorry, the New York Rangers. I, I know. I, you know... I, I I could I could sit here. I and think I they're going to surprise a lot of people. And I, I, and like, I agree with you. I, I I really like this Lafreniere guy. I I know you have some uh, some hesitations on him. I watched a couple of film, a uh, little bit of YouTube dive on, on him over the yeah. over the break. He's gonna be good. Yeah, he's very like, good with the puck, isn't he? Yeah. You ever see him move? 
he, he, listen, man, I think you're undervaluing him, his movement, man. I yeah, really you're do. You're looking at it at a junior level. You're not looking at it against pros. All right. Well, we're going to find out over the couple days, aren't we? Here's what we'll, here's what will do. Just, just for my view, his skating has already been the knock at him. I look at him. I don't see anything special out of his skating. He, he doesn't glide well. His, his, his technique skating isn't good. And usually by this game, if you're a first overall pick, you've gotten there because your skating is a big part of it. Skating is so huge. I think he'll create space for a guy like Panarin with just puck movement, which is great. Yeah. And they already have Capocaco too. So that they're going to be loaded up front. The Rangers they are going to be very, very offensively talented. I just believe that from him overall, they're looking at him to be the next big guy in New York. He's the next yeah, premier, yeah, premier really guy. That, that yeah. He's not an elite player. He's not going to be a, a tier one elite player of a Connor McDavid, of a Jack Eichel, of a, of a, of a Jonathan Taves, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane. He's not at that level. He's more of a, a tier two type of, uh, I should say, elite player, like a Claude Giroux, uh, uh, Patrice Bergeron, yeah. a Brad Marchand. He's well, more of that type of player on that level, a John Tavares, you yeah. know, he because of his skating now like i said puck movement wise amazing incredible i've seen the moves like okay this is pretty sick guy can shoot skating is i think is going to be his big holdback i just watch <laughs> watch, watch how, if he slew foot is sluggish that that's probably what you'd see out of it so i i but i i'm still sticking with my prediction i think the hey, rangers going to win this i think the it. flyers are going to i i i have them in that area that you do 4 or 5 but i actually bump them up three, four, I think Boston, I think you've actually, I had Boston higher than I anticipated until we talked about it. Boston's age and loss of a couple of key players, I think is actually going to be, see them be the surprise team on the outside looking in. Uh, So I think the flyers are going to take this at three or four, make the playoffs. And then who the hell knows? We'll hopefully talk about that. Hopefully we'll be around episode 100 at that point. Uh, So I'm very excited. This is going to be a hell of a season. It is. We are like, so the first game, if you haven't seen, I don't know how, where, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure, you know, but if you don't January 13th, Philadelphia flyers, Pittsburgh penguins, 5 30 p.m we'll have a reactionary pod right after the episode or excuse me right after right after the game talk about how the flyers are now doomed because they lost their first game of the season and have 55 games over. to it's all over it's but all over it's all, it's all because it's the penguins remember when we, yeah. we thought the sky was falling after they lost 7-1 last uh, season yeah i remember everybody <laughs> panicked over that and told everybody to Great. calm down relax so, look and here's why like and there's one more thing i want to say before we wrap up like yeah you know, we're not uh, – my, my prediction of them looking on the outside, it, it, again, it's not because it's all doom and gloom and we're, it's Philadelphia and we don't believe in our teams. The, the Flyers have a very immensely talented roster. Other teams yes. have gotten better. They, they they did not stand put like the Flyers did last season. Sometimes you can get away with that, and sometimes it works. A lot of times it doesn't, though. So if you don't make a move to get better in certain areas where you lost key players like Matt Niskanen, that can hurt you. So someone's got to step up in that role. I don't know if the flyers have the talent to be able to repair the, the, the film. I don't know if Phil Myers is ready to be consistently a number two yet. I agree I with that. want to break off him and Sanheim. Who's going to fill that two hole. That's a really big deal. The flyers went through for a long time. And I think it's important for people to realize that that's why you want to temper your expectations. It's going to be a dogfight in this division. It's going to be 56 games, basically full playoff games, a lot of tough, tough, difficult hockey. And you look at other divisions, and they don't have nearly the competition like no. in this one. 
So it's important for people to realize that if it, something freaky does happen this year and they don't make the playoffs, it's not because they're bad. It's because other teams were just, and this is going to sound so cliche, other teams were just better because they yeah. got better over the offseason. So I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong. Um, but again, it comes down to this. It, it, what they have was already good enough from last year than the upgrades the other teams made. We'll find out next week. Yep. So tune in, Philadelphia Flyers, Penguins, 5.30 p.m. Uh, I think that's when coverage starts. I think puck drop is actually at like 5.45, 6 o'clock, whatever it may be. You know how NBC does it. Anyway, thank you for listening. and Keep an eye out for our post-game reactionary pod. We'll post it that night. We thank you so much for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. On YouTube now, Orange and Backcheck. Just search it, Orange and Backcheck. It's very simple. Twitter is at OBackcheck uh, and all that good stuff. Send us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com if you have any predictions yourselves. Uh, if you want to call us an idiot. Hey, we thank you for listening. This is Orange and Backcheck. We'll see you guys next time. Toronto still sucks. Because after I was like, why don't I just put bacon on this thing?